0: On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts. Hey, they've always got the good Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race.
1: Yeah, welcome to a Monday on Sky Sports Radio, and it's one of my favourite segments of the week, Monday's Experts. And we've had some great chats over the last couple of weeks, which are all up on the podcast, mind you. You can go back and have a listen, but... Today's guest, I'm really looking forward to having a chat with Fred Hastings. We hear him regularly on Sky Sports Radio, not only calling the races there at Menangle, but across New South Wales at various venues. And he really has been the voice of Harness Racing for many, many years on this particular station and also on television via Sky Racing 1 and Sky 2. And he's got a good little story, so we're going to have a yarn to him. Um, The best part about these conversations is we hear everyone come on and provide tips and call races but there's so many stories behind a voice and that's what i'm really liking about uh, this segment fred hastings i was on the line good morning fred good morning dave thanks for having me on mate it's been a pleasure i know that uh, when i contacted you recently to, to come on you were you felt quite humbled mate um, but you're a very important part of our team at sky sports radio and just the way in which you call the races with so much passion um, and so, so much intensity, I I think you're a fantastic candidate. Oh, I want to take you right back to the start. Where did you grow up, mate?
0: I grew up at Mount Druitt uh, in Sydney's West, a uh, working class area, and uh, always wanted to, I, I guess from a, a very young age, be a race caller simply by the fact that, or by virtue of the fact that mum and dad would, Uh, you'd be painting the house uh, with with, uh, my uncle. They'd paint the house or they'd be working on the house or doing some building and renovations. And the races were on in the background of the Saturday and I'd be listening to Ian Craig. And I I was about nine and I thought, I could do that. I could be a race caller, I reckon. I could do that job. And I proudly announced to the family that when I grow up, I want to be a race caller. I think they were a little bit horrified at first (laughs) because I was pretty good at school and they thought I'd probably be a, a lawyer or a doctor or something. Uh, like that but when I told them no I want to be I want to work at the racetrack and be a race caller uh, it took a few of the family members by surprise mate
1: did you have to really uh, push the issue I remember when I said to my mum I wanted to call rugby league there was sort of a nod and a smile and it's uh, you know come on (laughs) get on with it you're you're dreaming but was there a bit of that at home
0: yeah, there was. I think. I think it just. Uh, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's good. A race caller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I like to talk. Oh, you'd be good at that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Good. Thanks. And move on. But uh, no, <laughs> i I got to say, uh, mum and dad were, were fabulous supporters when they realised. I guess I was pretty hell bent and serious on it. I, um, I couldn't quite understand going to school and doing algebra how that was going to help me be a race caller. Um, and, and I, I, I pretty much begged them to let me leave school um at year, in year 10 so that I could chase the dream of being a race crawler. Um, and they let me do it on the proviso I had a full-time job. so I got a full-time job with uh, Grace Brothers, uh, which are now known as Meyer in New South Wales. Uh, but um, yeah, and, and at the same time as I was doing the, the full-time job, um, Sundays were spent at Jim Carner's harness racing Jim Carner's at Fairfield and Bankstown and Blacktown. At the little showground there, trying to hone the craft and get better and get practice. And one thing led to another, and I got a, a gig down calling the trots at Nowra, which was a fair way from Sydney's West. But that was my first paid gig as a, as a race broadcaster, the Nowra trots of a Saturday afternoon, non tabbers.
1: So, so you, what were you doing for Grace Brothers?
0: Uh, well, I started out like, I think at the time I was 15, days, and I was uh, pretty much just a, what, what they called a stock hand. I used to fill the shelves. Uh, when the stock came in from the dock and then I became a salesman. And uh, the the thing was then that as I got older and was working longer at Grace Brothers, I ended up becoming a senior manager um, uh, in logistics and stock management uh, areas. And I ended up going from one store to another. I think my last store, I was at the Penrith store uh, out in Sydney's West, which at the time was probably about the sixth uh, largest grace brothers store in terms of stock um, inventory and turnover um, and yeah I, I was pretty well set there on a, on a good wicket as a as a logistics manager i think i had 39 staff members reporting to me but uh, all along i I'd, I'd, I'd go there of a, of a of a morning leave there at about five and then you know drive to dapto dogs or Eye Dogs or even Weddy Park or even the studio when the studio at uh, 2KY, the old 2KY, was at Parramatta. And and I'd do 15, 16-hour days uh, and then back up the next day and repeat. So uh, it was was a slow road to get to where I wanted to get to, but eventually um, I got there.
1: I'm fascinated by the process. Obviously, you know times are times are different now, uh, but mm. back then, so you're working at Grace Brothers, and and obviously you've you've had the conversation with the parents. I'd like to you mm. know leave school, okay, get the job, mm-hmm. um, but but getting the start, getting someone to you know get you behind a microphone yep. or put those headphones on. What what moment was that? Who who gave you that first opportunity?
0: Well, I, I guess the first uh, the first approach I made was the legendary race caller. Ray Conroy. Our, uh, you know, our older audience members would fondly remember Ray uh, as the number one harness caller. And I mean, I'm talking in the pre sky racing days. This was just radio, uh, and at the time there was only the one channel. Uh, when I was taking an interest in being a race broadcaster, there was only the one radio station doing racing. And um, I knocked on the door at Penrith Trotts, and was greeted by Ray Conroy, and um, he was a you know, at that stage, Ray was probably around 63 years of age. So he was uh, heading towards, you know, uh, retirement. Because in those days, there was a mandatory retirement at 65. And I just told him that I wanted to be a race caller. And he invited me into the box, sat me down, had a chat, gave me a few um, pearls of wisdom about, you know, don't be smart, don't be a smart aleck, uh, respect people, He's a very, very wise man. Um and then told me he'd introduced me to Kevin Thompson, who at the time was Ray's understudy. And Kevin looked after all the Jim for a couple of various tracks as far as Jim went. And um, I ended up meeting Kev. I went to the Granville Jim um, Carter. Now, the Granville Jim Day, that's at the old Parramatta Speedway. The Speedway fans, uh, before it became known as the, as the Speedway, but hosted harness Jim Carter races on a, on a Sunday. Um, the third Sunday of every month. And I went there, caught my first four-horse um, real live race, if you like, and it was dreadful. It was terrible. And um, I thought, gee, it's got to get better from here. And um, Kev said to me, look, he said, link up with another fellow who does a lot of the Gymkhana's around Fairfield and Banks, uh, Bankstown and Blacktown. Uh, his name was Steve Kahn. And um, he said, Steve will take you under his wing and, and get you practice and, and hone the skills. And uh, fortunately, I got better to the point where I got an approach from um, a bookmaker's clerk um, who said that is looking for a harness caller, that the incumbent caller's taken ill and they need a, a caller. Are you interested? And I don't think I even knew where Nara was at the time, Dave. <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, yeah, look, I, yeah, I can do that. And um, I didn't have a license or anything like that, so uh, because I was young, so I had to rely on Mum to drive me to the track, and that she did, and and that's where it sort of all kicked off, and then and then just snowballed from there. I I got to meet different race callers, and I, I got to uh, um, eventually be invited into Two K Y to do some tote calling. Uh, so uh, Rod Fuller invited me in to uh, to do some tote calling of a. Saturday night, and it just all blossomed from there. But the first gig kind of came up just through, I guess, door knocking, cold calling. I was as nervous as a kitten when I knocked on Ray Conroy's broadcast box door, and um, and, and it's not lost on me when I do get young people approach me and 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 ask for advice or you know say they want to be a race caller because I know how nervous I was knocking on uh, Ray's door. I can imagine they're feeling just as awkward.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's just amazing that that one opportunity that mm. presents itself in life, and uh, just the right place at the right time. Like if you hadn't been there that day when the they were yep. looking for that person for Nara, you may never have had that conversation. And it's just funny how things Slightly pan door, out, isn't David? it?
0: Slightly yeah, door. it's just amazing how opportunity comes. And 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 I think um, you know, without sounding conceited, I think to do the job that we do, you've got to obviously have a skill set, and you've got a be good at it but you also need that opportunity that that, that first chance to prove um, and, and for me that's pretty much where it, it stemmed from um, but the funny thing was it was almost over before it began Dave because after uh, about four or five years calling the, the narrow Trots the club folded and I was pretty much left without a, a place to call at and uh, a friend of, of, of my then uh, girlfriend said to me, uh, they're looking for a, a spare caller at Richmond Greyhounds. Have you ever called the dogs before? And I'm going, yes, absolutely. At the same time, you know, shaking my head, <laughs> no, I haven't. But I was yeah, yeah of course I've called dogs. Yeah, 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 I can call dogs. And I ended up lobbying at Richmond Dogs and got a chance to call um, uh, the, the non-tab race that they had on their program each week for about three weeks. And then Ended up calling a full program uh, just on course. And, yeah, one thing led to another. Sky Channel evolved as far as uh, taking on more venues. Um, They picked up Richmond, so I was doing some stuff on air. Uh, At the same time, that's when I got the gig doing a bit of tote calling. So it all sort of snowballed around the early 90s when I I really started to get some opportunities as a casual employee.
1: Yeah. What was it like working with some of those those big names in the past, and even doing the tote calling. I mean, I sort of, speaking from a personal experience, you know, when I got the gig at, at Sky I was making coffees for Tony Brassel and Richard Friedman and, and co, and you sort of, you know, you have to pinch yourself a little bit.
0: Oh, look, it, it's it's been one of the great uh, pleasures of my life that I've been blessed enough to work with Ian Craig, Pauline Brazzoli, um, John Tapp, Kevin Thompson. Absolute legends of, of you know, what, of, of the craft. Um, I've met some amazing people through through this job, but Mackay uh, yeah. and Craig, Paul Ambrosoli, um they were just so good to me when I was starting out because you, you sort of, a, you, you, it's easy to become overawed by being in the presence of those legendary people, and they will go down as you know, all time greats of the craft. And here I am. Crossing to Ian Craig when I was doing some studio coordinating and tote calling, I'm crossing to Ian Craig at uh, you know Rose Hill on a Wednesday, and um, when I was doing the night shift, crossing to Balland Rosalie at Wentworth Park or Kevin Thompson at Harold Park, and you, I do that. You, you, you're right. You sort of think, wow, is this really happening? Um, so it's it's it's, a, it's an amazing feeling when you suddenly get to meet these people, and they are so normal. Does that make sense, Dave? Like you, you, mm. you sort of have them on a pedestal, and you wonder how they're going to react and how what they're going to be like. But when you meet them, they're just like you and me. And that was one of the great, you know, things that I took out of the fact that you know no matter where you end up in life, stay humble.
1: Exactly right, mate. Um, the gig at Manangle, and yep. obviously um, you know becoming the, the the premier harness racing caller in New South Wales. How did, how did that? Unfold and yep. some of the great races you've been you've been able to call in the last little period. It's been incredible,
0: Dave. It, it, I've had just about every single job or I've been on nearly every single shift at the radio station, um, and, and I guess I started as the nighttime coordinator in about '96. Then I did um, days for five years at the same time calling the old Greyhound meeting. I ended up becoming program manager of the radio station in the uh, mid-noughties, about 2006. And then in 2009, and at the time I was also, not only was I the program manager, but I was Paul Ambrosoli's understudy for the Greyhounds. And I guess it was always destined, despite the fact I started calling harness racing uh, as a young fella, um, I'd sort of been channelled into the Greyhounds and I'd been calling them for 20 years. And it was kind of thought that I would take over from Paul when, the time came for Thor to retire, but uh, through circumstances in 2009, I was approached and, and the question was asked of, the, did you know, used to call the harness. Would you like to do some harness racing? Um, and I said, look, yeah, yeah, I'll do that if I need to help out. But little did I know, it's more a, an audition for what might eventually be taking on the, the, the top job. And um, that's how it unfolded. Um, there was a, a few internal changes, and, um, Mark McNamara, he ended up going to New Zealand, so they needed a, another harness caller, and I got the gig in 2009, and you're right, you talk about pinching yourself working with legends like Ian Craig and the like, but I pinch myself when I realised that I call horses like Blacks are fake, Smoking Up, Bowtie, I'm the Mighty Quinn, etc., cetera, etc., cetera.
1: Yeah, uh, to 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 be in that box at Menangal, and you can hear it at your calls, mm. Mm. I mean, you really do bring harness racing to life.
0: Well, you've got to have passion, Dave. I, I think no matter what you do in life, there has to be passion. If you don't have passion, um, you know, you're probably missing the boat. And it's the same people say to me, oh, you know, you've been doing this for so long, do you ever get nervous? Um if I'm not nervous before a miracle mile, and, and I'll, I'll put it into, into context when I say nervous, if you don't feel on each, if you don't have that, that little bit of nerves, as long as you control and manage them, if you don't have that, you shouldn't be doing the job. You know, you're, you're about to call the biggest race in harness racing, um, you know, and you're, if you're not feeling it, well, you shouldn't be doing it. Um, and that's, I always maintain you've got to have the passion, you've got to have the, the love of what you do, And um, I've been fortunate to, you know, I think I've done 11 miracle miles now. Um, And it's just a, it's a great race. It's probably my favourite race on the calendar.
1: You've called overseas as well. I remember uh, when I was at Sky, you you gave the opportunity to call it Yonkers in America.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Went on a a holiday. um, And I just, I'd always, I don't, don't, can't even really say why, but Yonkers always, I remember seeing an article in a newspaper about Cardigan Bay. It was in the, the old Daily Mirror, the Sydney Daily Mirror. And they used to have a historical feature. And one time it featured Cardigan Bay. Um, and he went to Yonkers and um, won at Yonkers. And I thought, oh, I want to call a race at Yonkers one day. Little did I realise it was in New York. And, um, and as I got older, I thought, oh, geez, I'd love to call it Yonkers. And we started betting, uh, the tab started betting on a lot of the overseas harness racing and American racing. And I just thought, well, hey, I'm going to be in New York. There's a race meeting on the Monday night, their time, which is Tuesday morning out time. And I made an approach to um, the international team and just said, look, is there any chance you could maybe hook me up with a a, a race call? Um, and Yonkers were very accommodating and said, well, if he's going to come and do one race, make him do three. And I got to call three races at Yonkers very different experience. Um, I, I have to say that the calls were well received by those that were there in, in America. They, they loved the fact that we called, um, I called all the horses over the line, not just the first two or three. Um, and they asked me, why? Why do you call? Why do you bother? Why why bother calling here on six? And, and I try to explain that that's just how we've always done it in Australia. And it gives the punter Who's not watching but might be listening? An idea on where their horse finished. Did it lead and drop out? Did it was it last and did it run on? Does it lead further? And uh, I just said uh, it's just a way of giving the punter who's invested their hard earned the knowledge of where they their money went. And um, they well oh, yeah that's a good idea, but nothing's changed. They still call their <laughs> style and and, and say so <laughs> they should. That's their style, but they did. I did actually. Get, <laughs> they did actually offer me a job. So um, they they did like what what they heard, which was which was good. But that was a great thrill. Three races at Yonkers, Um a moment I'll never forget. Um, they treated me like royalty, and uh,
1: I loved the experience. Gee, the opportunity to call in New York. Yeah, it
0: was very surreal. And as I said, it was a childhood dream. As I said, I saw a, a newspaper clipping about a race over there, and I thought, geez, I, Yonkers, I like the name of the racetrack. I want to call it Yonkers. Uh, when, the, when the opportunity came, I, I got it. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah.
1: So they offered you a job.
0: Yeah, well, I think, I don't know, well, they sort of half tongue-in-cheek said, look, we're going to ship our race caller off to another jurisdiction if you want to come and work with us. And I said, look, I'm very happy in Sydney. I have to tell you, but Dave, I think when I was over there, I was 49 years old. uh, So it was 2015. And they did a little write-up in their race book. And I was referred to as... Sydney veteran broadcaster, <laughs> <laughs> veteran at forty nine. I was they're trying to pension me off, but it was um, uh, they, they treated us so well over there, and um, uh, so it's a moment I'll, I'll never forget. Probably um, a highlight, a personal highlight. Um, uh, I've probably got a few, but that's certainly one
1: of them. Who's been the biggest uh, mentor in your uh, in your career?
0: I'd say, in terms of what I learned as a broadcaster. Um, how to behave, how to conduct yourself, how to maintain professionalism. I I have to say Ian Craig. um, I worked with him both trackside in the broadcast box with him on occasions. I did a lot of work with him when he was at the racetrack and I was the studio coordinator. Um, He he worked to a very exacting standard. And uh, even as good a race broadcaster as he was, he would always record his races. So that he could critique, and I think that's you know that that's a mark of a man who was at the top of his game, but he always wanted to make sure that he maintained a standard. Um, we're yeah. a bit different now in the digital age; we can go back and watch replays and uh, listen to them without having to physically record them. But Ian would record his races on a tape recorder, um, and he was very very precise. He was accurate. He was entertaining, and I think. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of Ian's style in the way I try to deliver races um, today
1: now with the, uh, the, the, the the journey I mean you, because you didn't grow up uh, with a family that was involved in racing it was just from listening on the radio I mean as um, did your family understand when you were getting these big opportunities how how, how, how mammoth it was in your career Yeah, you know, I, I think
0: so I think With the family, I must admit, my father's brothers, uh, my my uncle and and aunt, they actually had harness horses and they trained a small team originally out of um, Parramatta and then at Londonderry. And my cousin drove drove a few winners. So it was sort of in the background. And my father was a he, he wasn't, he never owned a horse, he never worked with horses, but every Friday night, and and again, our older audience who remember Harold Park fondly, Would well recall that Harold Park was the place to be on a Friday night, and they would easily have twenty thousand people on a normal race night. Pack the joint out on a Friday Mm -hmm. night, and my father was generally there every week. He and his mates, Um, and and Dad would regale me with stories of how he had, you know, and I don't really get the currency, but he'd have ten shillings on a horse at thirty-three to one, or he'd have five bob on something at no three to one, and it led around the turn and got into trouble and he stood there yelling out at the driver, you know, he'd he'd tell me all these stories. So it was always there. Harness racing was kind of always there. And I think as I've gone through the career, I don't think there's two more prouder people than mum and dad, even though they might have been a bit shocked, um, you know, that that was the path I wanted to take. They've been super supportive and and proud of, of the achievements.
1: Okay, if, uh, if there wasn't uh, the race-calling dream, what would Fred Hastings be doing right now?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Look, I often say, and we've we've had a bit of a chat about it on, on Fridays about cooking and uh, all the rest of it, I, I jokingly say I'd be a chef, but they work too hard. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, they work long hours and, and, and it's hard yakking, but I do like cooking. Um, away from the track, so whether it was something like that um I think probably I would have been steered into a trade um to to be to be brutally honest, I think that's probably where I was at, um even though I was academically good with, with you know with the education uh, I didn't have the dedication to do something like law or university or you know, that sort of thing i i I was easily distracted uh, at school doing phantom calls and being sent out of a, the classroom. Uh, for, Having my radio confiscated on Melbourne Cup Day was a was a bitter blow. Um, hello to you, Mr. Chalker, if you're still listening. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, it, 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 I, I don't know. I, I think maybe a trade Dave. I, I think maybe a trade. Um, sometimes the race calling and, and certainly the tipping. Um, it, it, it's. Um, you know. It, it's sometimes it's not even like going to work.
1: It certainly is, mate. We're very, very lucky to be doing mm. what we're doing. It's mate, a privilege. What, yeah. What's? Uh, I'll end on this note because I'm always yeah. fascinated by it, but especially someone like yourself who has had the dream and goal, and you've been able to achieve those dreams and goals, and no doubt you've had to keep, you know, readjusting and striving. Mm. What's the next goal for Fred Hastings?
0: Uh, it's, it's a very good question. I, I think, just on a personal level, I've been very fortunate enough. Uh, the holy grail for tipsters is tipping the the, the program. Um, I've done that three times, um, so I'm, I'm I'm looking to make an absolute burn of it and do it for a fourth time. Um, in terms of career, what's next? Um, I, I think if I can just maintain, you know, quality broadcasts, entertaining and accurate broadcasts, and, and fulfilling the privilege of bringing the best of the best on harness, you know, in the harness world. To the audiences, I think that's where I'm at. People have said, would you like to call gallops? Um, I think there's so many outstanding gallop broadcasters and they're much, much younger. Um, They've got the edge there. So uh, I guess it was always a transition. You'd you'd sort of go from um, greyhounds or harness and and ultimately aspire to to call a a Golden Slipper or a Melbourne Cup or those sort of races. Um, For me, I call the Melbourne Cup harness races. Um, I, I call all those those massive races in the world harness racing, and for me, uh, as long as I can keep doing that to to my exacting standard, um, I think that's where you know my ambition. Uh, I, I need to maintain
1: the standard. You've been a wonderful asset to the Sky Racing and Sky Sports Radio team, and I look forward to the next big carnival rolling around in New South Wales where we get to hear you go right off again and bring wonderful colour to these calls in the harness racing game. And, Fred, thanks for joining us, mate, on Monday's expert. I hope you enjoyed that.
0: Look, I, I, it was a real privilege, and I, and I do mean that. It's, um, you know, I'm just a, you know, an average bloke who just uh, has a very privileged job. Uh, so to be included and, and asked to share my story, I really appreciate it, mate.
1: Not a drama at all, mate. How do you think I feel getting to ask all you blokes these type of questions? We uh, might think
0: this around and, and, and growing have a, a oh. Monday expert with Dave Stanley.
1: I think my my story's not that. My story's not that good, mate. My story's yeah, not as story good as all you blokes. And
0: that's the main thing. We've all got a story, and thanks for letting me share mine.
1: Cheers, Fred Hastings. There on Monday's experts.